Welcome to the Grind Masculine Podcast with me, your host, Finn McKenna-Fox. I'm here on a mission to transform the everyday man into a confident leader so they can show up in their truth and in their power for themselves, for their families, in their career, and for the collective as a whole. I'm super excited to be able to share conscious conversations with some good friends and awesome guest experts. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to continuing this journey together. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Grounded Masculine Podcast with me, your host, Finn McKenna-Fox. Today, I am really, really excited to be able to invite on an amazing man to speak with us here today. And his name is Pat Davili from the beautiful land back home of Ireland. Pat is an absolute inspiration and he has been a big motivation and inspiration for me over the last 10 years since following the work that he has been doing. He is a high performance coach that helps people reach their new levels of passion, purpose and fulfillment through the work that he does. It has been amazing to be able to watch the transformation of the work that he does, moving from the uh, health and wellness background, being a fitness coach, being such a massive inspiration to so many people all over Ireland and the world, to be able to start stepping into this path of being a high performance coach and starting to create massive, massive change in people's minds and people's lives through the work. Whenever Pat was a fitness coach, back whenever he started out, he has a massive journey. It's like the hero's journey where he went on from having so much blockages, having failure at the very start, but how he persevered the whole way through to start creating massive, massive shifts and changes till he became a household name in Ireland. It's like when your parents know who Pat Davili is, you know you're doing something well. It's really powerful to hear his journey and hear his belief systems and how he views the world around him. It's like a lot of people were thinking that he was crazy, stepping away from that old old world of the fitness industry, but he knew he needed to follow his heart. He needed to follow his soul work. And it has paid off in dividends because the impact and the changes that he is having is so, so powerful. And that was one of the things that we spoke into today is the, the importance of following your heart and following that inner guidance and intuition. We also spoke into the importance of internal questions and taking full responsibility of your life and how you show up this episode was filled with so much nuggets of information, so much wisdom, and I'm really excited for you guys to check it out. So as always, if you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to drop them in your socials, uh, reach out to myself or Pat and check out the resources that I have added to the show notes. Cool. Uh, so welcome to the Granite Masculine podcast. I'm really, really stoked to be able to invite Pat Davili on uh, for tonight's episode. And yeah, Pat, like you've been a massive inspiration for myself. Um, been following your stuff from day dot whenever things started kicking off you um, back home in Ireland, back all them years ago when you were working in like the health and wellness like and fitness space. And yeah, it's been amazing to see the journey that you have been on within yourself and the work that you do. Um, like yeah really tip my hat to you so welcome thank you man thank you it's great to be here and uh yeah thank you that's 10 years ago i started in the fitness industry so that's kind of wild but we're getting old man <laughs> yeah you know you're doing it well whenever my parents know, uh, know your name <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so like you were like i remember when it when it all started kicking off like yeah like so many people like it was such a big inspiration just being able to see um see you share and be received so so openly um i think it was yeah it was pretty amazing and i know it's been a catalyst for a lot of other people and like again as i said you've been a massive inspiration to myself um coming from like the health and wellness background and sports physio background moving more into the coaching space so in more recent years it's been yeah it's been a big journey and yeah it's awesome amazing to see the work that you're doing thank you man awesome so before we get into a little bit more of your story one of the questions i love just starting off with is just asking uh, the guests what does being grounded mean to you uh, to me, it's about maintaining my center, um, responding rather than reacting, I suppose, to use a cliche. But, you know, I do a lot of corporate work. And over the last two years, a big message has been that there's a huge amount of uncertainty in the external world. And we can't look out there for our certainty. We find our certainty within. So I think groundedness is that ability to find certainty and find stability and find a sense of that center um, from inside. Mm. Um, the way I put it to the corporates is we have, you know, the vagus nerve, which is looking into our external world, external environment, looking for threats and sending signals to the body that there's a threat. And I almost think of groundedness as being the opposite. So the body sends a signal uh, to ourselves that we're okay. So yeah, I think that's me on, yeah. on groundedness. Yeah. I love that. Like, and yeah, like it's been such a big one for everyone is like that, that aspect of like, there's so much uncertainty around um so the only things that we can be certainty of within is like finding that within ourselves looking at the things that we can control within our own environments and within our own space and um, yeah i think it's it's massive but um yeah like i'd love uh, for you to share a little bit about um like your own journey like and what what brought you to the space of the work that you do so like as i said like coming from that more movement side of things and now you're working with people around their passion their purpose and fulfillment so I'd love to hear a bit about your journey and that transition for yourself. Sure. Um, I'll try not to ramble on too much, <laughs> but uh, I started in the fitness industry, as you mentioned. So that was kind of from the time I was a kid, that was all I wanted to do because I struggled with confidence in my teens and my early years. And when I joined the gym and started doing martial arts, it was the first thing that gave me confidence. And so it just resonated so deeply. And I don't know, you know, I used to say I wanted to give other people the same feeling. If I'm honest, I don't know if that was true or if it was just like I couldn't imagine doing something for work that I didn't love. And so fitness was the obvious choice. But again, going back 10 years in Ireland, the fitness industry just wasn't there. It's probably the same all over the world. You know, there wasn't a lot happening. And so the thought of making a living from fitness was a bit daft and a bit out there. Um, but nonetheless, I, I went and did it. Um, I failed with my first business that really shot my confidence and gave me a lot of shame. Um, I think being in my twenties and having to move back in with my parents, other people have said to me, that's not a big deal that happens to a lot of people. But for me at that age, I just felt I should be more successful. I should be, I don't know, again, stemming from that insecurity as a kid, I had this real narrative of I'm going to be somebody. And, uh, when my business fell apart in Dublin, and I couldn't get it off the ground and I had to come back to my parents with my tail between my legs. That really shot my confidence. Um, but I, I, I think coming home to Galway for the first time in my life, I appreciated where I was from because there was people there that could support me. And there was kind of a sense of, I don't know, there was definitely a sense of failure, but there was also a sense of home, you know, bumping into people I knew and stuff like that and started teaching fitness classes locally with five people. 
and within a year we were up to 500 in Galway um, in different locations and then within five years it was upward of 20,000 people had gone through online training courses so obviously a lot of hard work and a lot of hustle and also a lot of luck in those five years you know right time right place right message um but the fitness industry just I, I was able to do a lot in that space in five years uh, wrote a couple of books did tv and radio here in ireland um i got in as i say there was a lot of luck i just got in at the right time with facebook and back then no one was sharing before and after pictures in ireland i started doing that and that attracted attention i was giving away free programs i was running competitions and so I had upward of 200,000 people on Facebook back when everybody saw everything on Facebook. There was yeah. no um, engagement issues. So anything <laughs> I put out there, you know, um, landed on some some level. But anyway, um, the pinnacle, I suppose, of the fitness space for me was getting the Late Late Show in Ireland, which, as you know, is kind of if you get the Late Late Show, you've done something, I think. At least that's <laughs> how I grew up. And we grew up watching the Late Late Toy Show. So that was a kind of, wow, I've done it. Um, but to my surprise, after ticking all these boxes in terms of what I was supposed to do and waking up at 28 with a house and a car and a girlfriend and friends and family and a business, I just felt empty again. I felt the same way I'd felt years before in Dublin and couldn't get my head around it because, you know, when you fail or when things are going wrong in your external world, you can point to the external and say, that's why I'm sad. But when everything's where it's supposed to be and you feel sad, then you start questioning things, or at least I did. Um, so I walked away from my fitness business at that time um, and I suppose went on a path of trying to figure myself out and, and look at mental fitness and emotional fitness as opposed to just physical. So I started meditating, doing the breath work, went out to Wim Hof, went back training jiu-jitsu. I made a lot of lifestyle changes and um, started delivering talks and keynotes around personal development and stress management. And uh, yeah, it's just transitioned. It's just kind of been consistently leaning into what feels most congruent to me. Um, I'm not a good businessman in the sense that I can't do things if my heart's not in it. And so mm. there's been a couple of times where I've walked away. Um, it's funny, a friend of mine talks about the seasons of life and how at certain times we're planting seeds and then other times we're harvesting and then other times we're in hibernation. I do recognize a pattern of planting the seeds and not allowing them to come to full fruition. Yeah. Um, but I really need to be in it. So yeah, I did a couple of years in the mind stuff. So I was doing a lot of stuff around mindset, cognitive behavioral therapy. And I would say in the last two years, particularly with the pandemic, it's moved more to soul work or, or just going that little bit deeper and, and saying, you know, the mind has a certain amount of intelligence, intelligence, but the body and the heart has more. So it's mm. a, it's a somewhat short version. <laughs> yeah. That's no, amazing. Like, and yeah, there's so much re really resonate with that. It's, like it's walking away from them opportunities when your heart's not in and it can be some of the toughest decisions but like you know you just need to trust yourself within that um but yeah like i'd love to know is like like even with that big one i'd say like everyone around you was probably saying you were crazy when you walked away from that fitness busy business in the first space um like what was the big thing that gave you the confidence to, to say is like nah this this isn't right for me um I don't know if it's a Tony Robbins or someone talks about the decisions we make are generally based on inspiration or desperation. Mm. Like a lot of people don't don't change because they're kind of in the middle where everything's just, that's ah, okay. It's not too bad. It's not too good. It's not too bad. And people will tip away at that. Um, I've had moments in my life where I've been so driven and inspired by something that I'm like, I have to do this. Like I have to go and do this. Equally, I've had moments where there's a desperation of I can't stay in this place anymore. 
And I think it was more that desperation side at that time where, I don't know, like I was hitting financial targets I never thought I'd hit and uh, surprising myself. But again, it wasn't making any difference in terms of how I felt within myself. Um, and it was the Einstein idea of, you know, insanity is repeating the same thing and expecting a different result. Yeah. I was like, I've spent six, six, seven years here relentlessly chasing goals, thinking the next goal was going to make me happy. And it hasn't. So I've got to change something. Um, and so, yeah, I wasn't concerned with what people around me thought. My accountant thought I was crazy. My parents thought I was crazy, <laughs> you know. Um, my parents are supportive, but they, you know, again, this was a different time. And they said, no one's going to come and train outdoors in Ireland. No one's, you're not going to be able to make a living from fitness. And finally, I had built this thing. And they're saying, you're absolutely crazy to have built this and put the work in you put in and then just walk away. But you have to trust yourself because um, you only have to look yourself in the mirror when you go to bed at night. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you got to trust yourself. That was, I don't know that I had the confidence. It's funny from the outside looking in, people saw me as moving from fitness to speaking. <laughs> but the reality of that was there was three years of doing a lot of free talks and feeling like I'd made a mistake and feeling unsettled. It took a long time to feel like I'm, I'm a speaker now and I'm a coach now. Mm. Uh, it's never a smooth, as you know yourself, I'm sure it's never the smooth transition that it looks like. And we can share our story in 10 minutes and it's, oh, I did this and then I did this and then I did this, but yeah. there's so much more uncertainty. And again, it's coming back and developing that certainty within, I think. Yeah, no, so true. Like, and it's, it's on the outside, we can look as if we have a lot of that confidence and stuff, but it's that internal chatter is like, it's the one that's the kicker. It's like, as you said, it's like, who, like when we look at ourselves in the mirror, it's like, who's looking back at us? It's like, what, what is it that we see? Um, that's, that's yeah. always the toughest one. Mm. yeah you talk about confidence jesus and that like <laughs> i always I always remember a couple of years ago doing this talk and at the end of the talk we said does anyone want to ask a question i was i was a guest at this event there was 400 women there and this lady in the front row stood up and cried into the microphone and she just started broke down and she said i have no confidence how do i find confidence you know i i, I just don't know and she's crying in front of 400 people and immediately I looked at her and I said, there's 400 people in this room, 399 of them see you as a confident person because you're stood on a microphone, public speaking in front of 400 people. The only gap or the only disconnect here is your picture of confidence is probably you see Beyonce as confident or you see Conor McGregor as confident. And so you've got this picture of what confidence looks like and there's a disconnect between how you feel and what you see. Um, so I think that's important. Confidence, I rarely feel confident in terms of what people probably think confidence is but i feel my only confidence is that when things go wrong if they go wrong or if i fail or if i fall on my face i'll be able to soothe myself i'll be able to self-soothe i'll be able to look after the part of me that feels like he made a mistake and that's mm -hmm. where my confidence comes from knowing that i can always come back to myself yeah mm, that's such a big one and like and that's I think knowing that how that you can come back to yourself to soothe yourself again is like that's something that so many of us weren't taught and it's like it's no. if we should be but it's it's something that we're not taught like we were like it was nearly like pushed down on us um from such a young age that like it's like we have to get to these ages like we where we go through all of them struggles and then it's like all right actually let's learn some of these basic fundamentals that we should know yeah it's interesting right because you know one of the things that prevents us from feeling confidence is the inner critic and generally the inner critic is the voice of someone from our youth 
So if a parent was very critical, we internalize that voice and we talk to ourselves in the same way the parent talked to us or the teacher or the sports coach or the friend. Um, your inner critic generally, in my experience, will remind you of someone from your past. And so it's worth noting, like, well, so we still have that inner child. And, you know, again, when I get scared, it's the inner child that's scared. And I've got two choices. I can shame the inner child in the same way that maybe someone shamed me in the past and be like, why can't you do it right? What's wrong with you? I'm just repeating the same cycle that, yeah. that left me in the position in the first place. So I've got to bring compassion to those parts. And so, you know, if anyone's listening and they do, I'm sure we all meet our inner critic at times, the encouragement or the invitation will be next time it appears. Just get curious about like, wh what are the origins? Where did this inner critic come from? Um, where did they learn to be scared? Where did they learn to hold us back? Where did they learn not to be too big for our boots? And how can I talk to that part of myself in a more encouraging way? Uh, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's yeah, it's important work. <laughs> yeah, and like I think that's the big one is like it's allowing yourself to get curious. Um, like that's the one is like like we put like so many people like to like put breaks on themselves we don't like we don't allow ourselves to go there and have that curiosity and like it's that childlike curiosity as well um and like i know like one of the big um aspects that you speak into a lot is like the power of like journaling and like using that journaling practice for that inner reflection and to get curious and that is, yeah like, i'd love you to speak into that a bit oh man journaling changed my life um and it just helped me make sense of the madness of my mind. Um, <laughs> they've got all these, they've got all these stats, right? I don't know how they count the thoughts, but they say we've 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. They generally say 95% are very similar, if not the same as yesterday. And when I heard that, that I thought I'm not actually thinking I'm remembering most of the time. Mm. If I'm 95% repeating my thoughts, that's not thinking that's remembering. That's just regurgitating the same thing. And so journaling allowed me to start thinking. Um, you know, for the person, I use an example maybe of someone who stands up and says, I'm afraid of public speaking. I'll ask, when did you last do public speaking? They'll say 20 years ago when I was in school. I say, so that's a memory. That's not a thought. You're not afraid of public speaking. You're just remembering the past. And so if you're to sit down and get a pen and paper, you can actually start, you know, asking questions. And I put it really simple to people to say that, like, if I meet someone and I go on a first date, I'm curious and I'm asking questions and, you know, as the relationship develops, hopefully we're coming to understand each other more and our relationship will start to go south when we stop having that curiosity and we put our partner in a box and we just decide that's who they are. And we, we lose that kind of uh, presence and lovingness and, and, and um, again, curiosity and similar to ourselves, you know, the more we put labels on ourselves and box ourselves off and decide this is the type of person I am and this is who I'm not, the smaller life tends to become. And so journaling allows us to, you know, just start looking for solutions rather than problems. Your mind's always going to find the problem and pen and paper can find the solution. So it's been really good for me. It's, it's, um, and it's, it, you know, I bang on about it so much that some people will say, I, I just can't get into the journaling path. It just can't, like, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I'm quick to tell them it doesn't have to be journaling. Um, I would encourage them to ask, why do you want to journal? And then they might say, I want to make um, sense of what's going on in my mind. And then I'll ask them, is there other ways you can make sense of what's going on in your mind that seem easier for you and more fun for you? Because you're not going to do something that's unenjoyable. Mm. It's kind of like the gym back in the day. If you hate going to the gym, don't try and make yourself go to the gym because life is stressful enough without adding stress. But think, why do you want to go to the gym? I want to feel fit and healthy. How else can you feel fit and healthy? Martial arts. Okay, there's the answer. So, yeah. Um, for me, it's journaling. It's not for everyone, but um, it's questioning what's the purpose 
of journaling. Why do I want to do that? Oh, I want to improve my mental wellness. I want to uh, manage my inner dialogue. I want to communicate with my inner critic. Okay, there's lots of ways of doing that. It doesn't have to be journaling, but it is a good starting point. Yeah, yeah. And again, like it's like it's them roadblocks that we can put up against ourselves, but it's finding what works for you. And like I love that, like how you come back to why is like what's your why around it? It's like why do you want to do journaling initially? It's like uh, because people said it's good or I should I should do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. If that becomes, you know, like I fall into that trap sometimes where these daily rituals almost become a tick the box exercise and you kind of lose, I lose the, um, the reason I started doing them. I like feel this pressure on myself. I need to meditate and I need to, da, 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 da. And it's like, again, as you say, why, 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 why am I doing these 10 things on my morning routine? Well, I want to feel centered and I want to feel connected to myself. Okay. What's the first thing I can do? One thing I can do that'll help me feel connected and centered to myself. And I do that. And then maybe the next thing comes, but yeah it's funny i think the mind wants to put things in boxes and make everything quite structured and linear and um yeah it's just not, not always how life is yeah no for sure man and like i know for yourself like um like i absolutely love that you're bringing this work to the people back home in ireland like because uh, i know for myself like whenever i started speaking more into the work that i'm doing talking more about the mindset bringing in more of the different aspects of like breath work meditation spirituality as well as like the more of the practical elements of it and um, people are like why are you doing that stuff for us like they're just like there can be certain blocks because it's so foreign from what um from what we we knew um i'd love to know is like how how has that been received over the years for yourself and like what's the shifts that you have seen because i know from myself looking as in like looking outside looking back in in ireland like i'm so so proud of like where people seem to be like there seems to be such massive changes in the last few years uh around where people are looking at like the mental health space mm. so there's a couple i think there's a couple of elements like I, I spoke in my old secondary school just a few days ago to the transition years and and um, it was funny because I was down in the prison, the local prison the week before working with lads down there and I was more intimidated going into, you know, my old school. But I was telling them that when I was in school, which is 15 years ago, um, I would have panic attacks, but I was told it was asthma and I assumed it was asthma because there was that there was so little talk about mental health. So it has come a long way. Um, I do have friends in Australia and New Zealand and Canada that similarly will message and say, wow, there's so much happening in Ireland. And I think there is, but I also think we live in echo chambers. So, mm. you know, your social media feed is probably a lot of um, this kind of stuff. I did have a friend who came back from Canada and I don't think it was quite what she expected. I think she thought she was going to be walking into, a, you know, a conscious community or whatever. And it was, it was, you know, but um, no, it is, it is coming along and, um, yeah, there's a there's a handful of no, more than a handful, but there's a handful of prominent figures that you can see people like Brezzy and, and the guy from the Rubber Bandits, um, uh, Blind Boy. There's a few big names that have, have definitely helped the, the mainstream conversation. Um, I think, yeah, I suppose fitness had its peak, right? There was a lot of people got into fitness and then a lot of the fitness people started talking about the mind a little bit. And yeah, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. My, my experience has just been... Um, 
just I, I, I'm just trying to be honest with myself about what feels right, and I lose people along the way that'll say he's too far gone, and you know it's 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 too much. And why would I want to look at that stuff? And why would I want to look into my shadows? And I don't have time for all that kind of stuff. But for me, all this stuff came from necessity. First, I needed to look after my mind. Then I got to a point of recognizing that my mind doesn't have all the answers, and I can't outthink my problems. So I needed more somatic work. Um, but these things are coming from necessity. Like there's, there's a need for cultural repair. I think like it's, it's when you got waiting lists for psychologists and psychiatrists for like a year for people to get into a psychologist, or psychiatrist, there's gotta be like other ways of dealing with the, the challenges. I think things like community, you know, community is so necessary in healing. Um, yeah. the sea swimming, there is a lot happening. There's a lot, but it's all, Paul Check had an amazing quote years ago. Um, Paul Check, the famous um, holistic lifestyle coach. Um, he's an amazing man. Yeah. But Paul said, I think the further you move from nature, the further you move from health. And the closer you move back toward nature, the closer you move toward health. Mm. And so that speaks to being in nature, being away from screens, um, being you know in a place where you're eating well, moving, uh, sleeping on a normal rhythm, all these things. So... I think as we've got sicker physically and mentally, we've recognized the need to change how we live. Yeah, for sure. Uh, massive one with that. Like, and it's like, it is like, it's one of the interesting things over, over here in Australia, like, and there's, there's so many, so many Irish and English have been living over here over the years. And like, as a, like the more I've stepped in with this work and doing this work over the last uh, number of years, it's like, there's so many Irish that, are doing it here and like the first thing they always say is like, oh you couldn't do this at home <laughs> and like it, it's like yeah. it's just having this like the, hearing the dialogue and hearing the, the shared experiences and everything like that has been super interesting and i know from a few of my friends in the industry and everything like they come to me and ask and you're like what like why does every irish person have such similar problems that they're that they're working through like and like the same blocks within their mindset and like so many so much of these similar um, aspects that we see coming up and up over and over again um and like a lot of it is just like when i explain it to them like it's how like for me i see so much of it was from that mindset that we were brought up with like it's like like that's very strict catholic background it's like you you don't you don't allow yourself to express your emotions you don't allow yourself to to, to go to these different aspects of yourself um and like it was so closed down but then like that's learned on top of like all of the generational trauma and turmoil that that the Irish have been through over the years as well um mm. i'd love to know like it's like like me being able to see that and experience that over here with the guys that i'm working here it's like is do you see much of that like over the over with the work that you're doing I think potentially there's a piece on expectation there that like the story of I can't do X in Ireland or I can't do Y in Ireland, you can't until you can. Um, mm. And when you decide to do it, you do it. But there's an expectation for some people like when I started the fitness class to say 10 years ago, everyone was saying you can't do that here. Um, and I turned up and there was five people and to other people that would have been like, oh, that's this is a waste of time. There's only five people and stuff. But I was like, oh, it's five people I didn't have yesterday. So yeah. um, you start where you are and you, 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 you know, you, you it, it, it takes time to, to change things. Um, so I think if you're committed to it, I think if it's your, it feels right for you. And I think if you're willing to go deep yourself in your own work, um, you know, I do see so many people getting into it now and like some people are just jumping off the deep end. And I, I think they're probably facilitating stuff they haven't done themselves. And, and, and just like, again, there's an expectation they're looking at, okay, this, this person's doing this and this person's doing this, so I probably need to do this and I need to, um, 
but yeah look I, I i was definitely raised with the belief that you know you don't get above your station um you know keep the head down um keep your emotions to yourself there was a lot of that kind of thing um and so um yeah what's the answer i it, yeah the, the, there's there's cultural stuff there there's a lot of repression there's a lot of suppression there's a lot of addiction and there's a lot of pain um but i think everything starts with ourselves. it's like doing our own work right it's like figuring out where am i blocked where am i stuck where am i judging myself where am i judging others what are my shadows and i think for me at least it's just the more i discover myself the more i can be myself and the more i can be myself the more i can allow other people to be the, themselves Ram Das had a quote that said, the only thing I can do for you uh, is work on myself. And the only thing you can do for me is work on yourself. So I think it always comes back to that. Um, I can blame Maryland um, and I can blame my past or, or what came before me, or I can do the work. Um, that's my own personal take. I don't know if that answers the question directly. but It does um, perfectly, man. Like it really does. Like, and I just love... Yeah, it just like it just shows so much of that inner character within yourself. Like it's like just taking that full self responsibility and ownership of of you and where you're at. And like it's something that you said over and over again. Um, is it starts with self. It starts with as like there's something coming up. Is like so. It's like right. Let's let's look there. Let's shine the light onto that problem and figure that out for myself. And yeah, like a yeah. It's almost like um. I don't, I, I don't know you, um, what example might would you use? Um, I mean, if there's if there's a couple of million Ireland pe Irish people that believe that they can't do X, Y, or Z, then surely when someone steps forward and does it in an authentic way, there's a lot of people that are going to want to get involved with whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so if we all have the if we all have the same limitations, we're probably all looking for a similar you know growth and and uh, yeah. development as long as it's coming from a true place. So, but yeah, I. I as much as it's painful sometimes, I do recognize that it always starts with me. Like I'm always, all my judgments toward others are about my inability to accept parts of myself. All my projections onto my heroes are my inability to own my magic. My magic. And um, yeah, it always comes back to yeah. I self, love that, man. as you say. I love it. And I can know one of the things that you like you've spoken into a number of times and it gets something that um, I see you've got a workshop coming up around shadow work and is like I'd love you mm. to speak into that a little bit more. Yeah. Um kind of again, I suppose where I started when I was saying to you about like chasing things in my twenties and chasing goals and targets and um I mean the implicit we we think that we're chasing goals but really we're chasing feelings like the person that wants to lose weight wants to feel a certain feeling they they don't really care about the number on the scales they want to feel the confidence they associate with that number or the person who wants to be a millionaire wants to feel secure so we're looking for feelings and my experience was i always wanted to feel good so i always wanted to feel quote unquote positive and good and 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 the good stuff and um I was very nice to myself and I liked being with myself when I felt good, but none of us feel good all the time. So I would shame myself when I felt bad. Mm. And it's almost a paradox. The person that says, I don't like negative people, that's negative in itself to, to <laughs> say that. So there is no light without the dark. And so shadow is about recognizing that for most of us, we've disowned a lot of who we are. And again, it speaks to kind of the, the transgenerational trauma. There's certain parts of, of our psyches that have just shut down certain emotions, certain behaviors, certain actions, certain beliefs. Um, and it, 
if you consider a relationship with someone else um, and you only want to be with that person when they're happy and positive and kind and compassionate, but you desert them whenever they show anything that's the opposite, it wouldn't be a very empowering relationship. But for a lot of us, we self-abandon. So when I feel good, when I feel happy, when I feel productive, creative, enthusiastic, outgoing, I love myself. But as mm. soon as anxiety rises within me, I start shaming myself and saying, I shouldn't feel this way. So shadow work really is recognizing that we have a persona and we have a, a shadow. The persona is the collection of ideas we have about who we want to be and how we want to be seen. So I want to be seen as compassionate. I want to be seen as curious. I want to be seen as open-minded. And as a result of having these ways that I want to be seen, uh, inherently, there's going to be a way I don't want to be seen, which is the opposite. So if I like to be seen as someone who's open-minded, the thought of being seen as someone who's judgmental and close-minded is probably something I find it hard to identify with. Mm. And so that's part of my shadow. And so the work of shadow is to recognize that at some time in our life, we hid parts of ourselves because it was a way of staying safe. Yeah. Um, when I was in school and I cried as a boy, the boys laughed at me. And so I decided you're not supposed to cry. And I put that into shadow. And now I have a hard time expressing my emotions. Um, it's not about getting rid of these parts because you can't get rid of these parts. It's about reintegrating them and saying, wait a second, maybe it's healthy to cry sometimes. Maybe it's healthy. Okay, it doesn't make sense to cry in the workplace because maybe I'll be ridiculed and maybe it's not just culturally appropriate to cry in the workplace. But it would make complete sense that at a funeral or after a breakup or after a difficult transition in life, it would make complete sense to cry. Um, so that's shadow work to me. It's can I start accepting uh, the parts of myself that I found it hard to accept? Can I uh, love the unlovable? Can I um, make peace with myself freely? And, you know, it, 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 it's, it just helps. I mean, uh, addictive behaviors, addictive tendencies, impulsive tendencies generally occur when feelings come up that we find uncomfortable and we don't want to be with. And so the shadow is, can I be with these different parts and gradually integrate them and start to make sense of them and become intimate with them? The difference between fusion and intimacy I've been talking about recently is when I'm fused to my anger, I become my anger and I'm in, I'm at the mercy and control of my anger. Intimacy is where there's a little gap. So rather than becoming my anger, I can see my anger and I can start to be intimate with it. Um, intimacy requires that little bit of a gap um again a couple that are uh, fused together like codependent and are on top of one another but the intimacy is the little space between and so if i can become intimate with my anger when my anger starts to surface i can say wait a second where's this coming from what are the roots of this what are the origins how can i demonstrate this anger in a clean way and um that's the purpose of that work yeah it's so powerful it really really is like and it's yeah like the more we're able to uh, start embracing it and looking at it through that lens like we can learn so much from it um because i know like from myself like in my own journeys like when i started off like kind of doing the work as such on myself like it was like going down like just the positivity is like oh it's like oh bringing in all of this delight and love and but it was like you knew there was all of that there was your shadows there there was a darkness there and it wasn't until like i started to look at that and be willing to actually start looking and uncovering and sitting in that that thing started to mm. shift and change and like it's like that quote like the carl Jung quote is like a tree's leaves can't touch heavens until it roots roots touch hell is like that is the one mm. and it just like it just hit home and like that was like from that moment like it was just a complete game changer of everything um but yeah like i think it's again being able to create that space for yourself to be able to go there and like i love 
what you've spoken into that gap, like having that gap, it's just like something's here and allowing yourself instead of going straight into like doings, whatever you need to do with it, is like just sit in that little gap and actually get get curious. Yeah, and and, and really bringing compassion to it. Um, one of my mentors says like the more the deeper you go into your own work, the more compassion you need to bring for every level of depth you go to, you've got to have more compassion because there's a reason all these parts of ourselves that we made unlovable were put into a box and hidden away because it was painful to experience them. So again, if I haven't cried in years and, you know, I'm starting to get curious about it and I say, okay, I didn't cry because I didn't want to be shamed by the boys in school. Maybe crying for the first time is like, it's going to be painful and overwhelming and it's going to be stress. You got to have that compassion and recognize that it makes sense that this feels a little bit raw. And um, one of the feedback I've been getting on recent workshops with the shadow is people saying it's not as dark as I, I thought it would be. It's not as it's not as scary and it shouldn't be scary. Uh, you don't need to go all in. Uh, you, just, you know, again, that curiosity piece. And there's, of course, then the golden shadow, which is probably very, you know, um, very prevalent and relevant in Ireland in the, in the same sense, the golden shadow being the idea that we don't just hide the quote unquote bad stuff. We also hide the magic sometimes. So, mm. you know, when I'm when I'm dancing around the kitchen as a as a boy it's all good and then at a certain age i'm dancing and maybe my dad says to me stop being an attention seeker and my young mind decides oh you're not supposed to be the center of attention and so i take a back seat and again 20 years later i find it hard to step into my power you know so it's reclaiming all parts um and the the easiest way for me of, of recognizing these parts of myself is again who do i project um, my power onto so who are the people i admire in life and what about those people do i admire and where have i disowned those parts and then equally who do i judge the most harshly what pisses me off in other people and w- when did i disown those parts of myself yeah um, yeah yeah just pretty deep questions just just being able to sit sit in them questions and like i just said just put pen to paper and journaling or finding whatever practice that you want to work with to start seeing that in yourself like it'll uncover a lot of your tra- your deeper truths the never-ending journey <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure man and like i know that you're saying is like you do a lot of corporate work as well as doing like your workshops and like you see like you have your retreats and like you do your men's your men's space as well your men's programs so i'd love to know is like when you're working in that corporate field um what is the what would some of the common things that like the foundations that you bring in to help people navigate that space within themselves yeah the 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 key is kind of where we started with the grounding piece so um how do we find our center and maintain our center um one of the key messages i'll offer to the corporate space is that you know physical health is reliant on consistent physical fitness so you don't just kind of assume oh I should, I'm entitled to be physically healthy. You recognize that, okay, there's certain things I need to do to maintain my physical health. But my experience with my mental health was kind of rolling the dice and hoping I'd feel good in my mind. So I really try to push home that idea to them that mental and emotional wellness are dependent on small, simple rituals on a daily basis. So the meditation, the breath work, the journaling. So I definitely share that message. Um, uh, I share the message of sort of nervous system regulation. So the idea that, um, you know, our nervous system 
uh, is responsible for how we react or respond to life. And mm. there's times where we're in hyper arousal, where there's just too much stimulation in our environment. And then there's times where there's just too little going on. So we need to find that sweet spot in between. Um, and I also talk a lot around communication. So how do we communicate with ourselves and how do we communicate with others? Um, you know, it's interesting working in the corporate space because I've never really held down <laughs> a job uh, it, 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 that I haven't been working for myself. But, you know, I recognize just the challenges people have in dealing with the colleague next to them or, or dealing with their boss or dealing with constructive criticism. So it's all, you know, first recognizing I'm in control to some degree of how I feel uh, mentally and physically. And then the second thing is starting to recognize what makes me feel out of control. And then it's sort of how do I find my center again? So, you know, can I respond rather than react when my boss gives me constructive criticism? Um, can I recognize that, you know, the, the, the colleague who's uh, short with me every day. It's not about me. It's about stuff they've got going on. So it's it's really a lot of the same work. And I, you know, I definitely take pride in the fact that the companies allow me to come in and talk about whatever feels right for me, um, which surprises me still. I'm just like, <laughs> I, 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 I still see myself as this young lad from Galway, even though I'm not that young anymore. But you know, a lot of the corporates ring and they just say, can you come in and do a talk? And I'll say, what do you need? And they'll say, we trust whatever you, you, you can bring. Um, because truth be told, I feel like in the last two years with the pandemic, it's gone from a tick the box exercise for some of the corporate clients where they felt they had to do a wellness thing to a necessity now where they recognize mm. how difficult it's been for people to be working from home and, and, and having kids run around the place and just the challenges and the expectations that they have on their, their staff. Um, it's, it's necessary, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been huge. Like, um, yeah, like it's, I just say, like learning them fun fundamentals within themselves and how to start kind of bringing a bit more of that introspective work and asking them questions. Like it's just the transformations that that alone just brings is huge. And then it's that roll on effect. Like it's how to show up with their kids, how to show up with their partners, how to show up in all of these other, like it's like that's the one that I get the most joy out of is seeing that ripple effect. It's like, yeah, we see the shift internally with the people that we're working with, but then when you hear the ripple effect of it, like how it helps their friends or they had these other ones, you're like, this is the power in, in this work and for the people who are stepping up and starting to take action for themselves. My, my, most of my work is very basic um, and very simple. It's, um, the goal is just to say it in a way that people say, ah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So it's almost almost being a storyteller more than it is being a, being a you know, I don't know. An well, it's an educator through storytelling, I would say. You know, you tell yeah. the story of, I always tell the story about the fire alarm where when I was 28, I went to a psychiatrist and she told me that um, you have a fire alarm in your house to keep you safe if there's a fire. So when there's actual physical danger, the fire alarm goes. But she said, if you if the fire alarm goes when you use your toaster or your oven, it's a pain in the ass. And she said, similar, we have the fight or flight response in our body for actual physical danger. But for most of us, this internal fire alarm is going all the time when someone looks at us funny. Or, and I think that those kind of stories just click with people and they're like, oh, I need to look after my fire alarm. I need to recognize, you know, that yeah. it needs maintenance. So... That's the key. Um, in a world where there's so much distraction and overwhelm and like an abundance of information, it's how do you take that information and, and make it digestible and easy for people? Mm. Um, Got to keep coming back to that, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. so true, man. And I can know for yourself, like um, from what you were sharing, like over the last year or so, like with, with everything that was happening with the lockdowns and stuff, it's like, you know, some of the big practice, like you took some time away from, social media and just like again just giving yourself that time to 
reconnect with yourself and getting out in nature and stuff i'd love to hear like how nature and why nature plays such a big part in in you yeah it's funny i was talking to a friend yesterday and he said did the social media break change your relationship with social media to be honest i was like no i'm back on it it's super different like you know um <laughs> Um, to be fair, no, I probably used it a lot less than I did before, but I needed that. I just needed to come off the thing. Um, the, 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 actually, the funnily, the thing that was getting me with social media was not so much the scrolling. It was just the, my inbox was full of um, either requests for me to share charity things or um, people that were struggling with their mental health. And I just I was just felt overwhelmed by trying to come back to people. And you cannot you can't give that much context, you know, in a, in a what Instagram message to someone's uh, deepest struggles. And it just felt a lot. Um, and I was struggling myself at the time. I was just a bit isolated and depressed. <laughs> um, but the nature piece. Yeah, I suppose the way I think of it is, again, go back 10 years to when I started and it was Facebook. Um, the, the evolution of the technology since then, you know, the videos have gotten shorter and shorter and shorter to the point that there's TikTok now, which I, d I don't know how long TikTok videos are, but they're a couple of seconds, I guess. So there's this, it's so fast paced. And what's amazing to me with nature is I go and I sit on the beach and the tide comes in and out the same pace it did 10 years ago, 100 years ago, 1000 years ago. And so there's a natural pace to life that you find in nature. And it's just grounding. So for me to just go and put my feet in the earth outside and, and um, you know, like, again, so, some some stuff might sound fluffy to people when you talk about like connecting with nature and all this kind of thing, but you you don't need to, people will have impair, impair, I don't know if that's the word, but empirical evidence of like their own, ask people what it was like to go to the beach as a kid and have your bare feet in the sand or even go to the beach now, ask people what it's like to go for a walk with your partner and just walk and talk without your phone, ask people what it's like to watch a sunrise or a sunset. Um, you don't need to, you know, overthink these things, but it just calms the nervous system because um, we're not designed. I don't think we're designed. I'm certainly not designed to be, you know, consuming the amount of information I am. And there's a digestion process. You know, I would often ask people, when do you get your best ideas? And it's generally not when they're sat in front of a screen. It's not when they're overwhelmed or stressed or anxious. It's generally walking in nature just before I go to sleep, when I get up in the morning, uh, after I meditate. Uh, when I'm in the bath. So it's times when we're relaxed. So mm. if nature relaxes the nervous system and when I'm in a relaxed state, I can come up with new ideas and insights. That's where change can happen because it all starts with awareness. Mm. Yeah, so true. It's beautiful, man. Like an asset thing. Like it's, it's just allowing yourself that time and space to be able to feel like that. It's one of the things like we don't have time to do these things. We don't have time to sit there. It's like, like how much time do you waste scrolling it just comes back to mm. like it's what's more important to you is like put your phone down and just invest that time in, in you in a different way my experience that like i need to keep reminding myself of is for years i waited until there was an issue i waited until i was getting a panic attack and then i said oh i better start looking after my mental health and then the time would pass and I'd, I'd get over the panic attack and I'd get through the fire, you know, the fire, uh, uh, or get through the week of putting out fires. I'd say, oh, I'm back to normal now, all is good. And I wouldn't address the actual issue, you know, it's just like mm. putting bandages on the thing. Um, and so prevention is better than cure. And, and, you know, prevention is go for the walk in the morning for 20, 30 minutes every morning. Um, 
because <laughs> I just I just know like I say these things about myself I think they're true for a lot of people I can have a tendency to do the thing that makes me feel well and then once I reach a certain level of wellness I've got this cocky attitude of oh, I've got this now you know I don't need to do that I don't need to do the basics anymore I don't need to drink water anymore I don't need to yeah. it's like, no I'm gonna have to do those things for the rest of my life um and that's okay you know mm. uh, the, the reward is certainly worth it yeah yeah, I really hear you with that one. Like, and it's, I know from for myself is like, um, like we just had, like with the birth of our little boy there back in June. So it's like he's our third little kid, and like whenever he was born, it was like it's just as ever. Like we're just in one of them busier seasons, and it's like that's the time where like some of them self care practices would start drifting away. And like after like the first three days, I was like, I, I actually need to double down on some of them because that's what's keeping me more present more grounded more there to be able to support like everyone else within it whereas like a lot of times like when when life throws something busy a busy period within it within us or like puts this chaos within like it's like all right i don't have time to do these other things uh, like this is i just need to focus on that whereas it's very much as like no it's like that's where we need to double down on that to be able to move through it with a lot more ease um yeah it's interesting just coming to me now um congrats by the way on, on the the new arrival um but just coming to me now that in terms of responsibility and taking responsibility um it could be an interesting reframe for people to say rather than i don't have time you could consider what you're doing instead and you could then say i'm choosing social media rather than my walk i'm choosing and that would really feel like oh this is like the truth yeah i did um did the TM training a couple of years ago, the transcendental meditation and transcendental meditations twice a day for 20 minutes or so 40 minutes of meditation. And I remember the instructor saying something to the effect of that sounds like a lot, but it's 3% of your 24 hours, which is kind of wild to think of. I yeah. think, I think that's right. It's, it sounds crazy, but I think that's right. And maybe 4%. And she said, would you be willing to give 3% of your day to know that the other four hours are going to go well, like you're going to sleep better. You're going to wake up fresher. And so even if it wasn't that you were going to meditate for 40 minutes, it could be like, would you be willing to commit 40 minutes to yourself every day, 3% of your day to yourself every day, be it a workout, a walk, um, time off screen, whatever it might be. And again, just recognizing that, you know, what's left, um, yeah. what that's, what's that's given you the rest of your time. Yeah. And yeah, like it always like when, like when talking with clients and like they say, it's like, I don't have time for X, Y, or Z. It's like, I always remind them of, like I say, the Chinese proverb is like, if you don't have five minutes to meditate, then you need to meditate for an hour. And it's just like, it's, it's just changing that perspective of where, where you're putting your energy and your focus. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm, beautiful, man. And yeah. So like one of the things I'd love to just kind of finish off with is like, like again like when we just look back and everything that was spoken into so much of it is is just coming back to that asking yourself them bigger questions and just taking that more of ownership and responsibility of where you're at um but like i'd love to just ask if there was like say like one or two like really non-negotiables that um the, the listeners could really start action straight away what would they be um, that you'd recommend to like start looking after themselves better Ooh. um i'll give a couple of journaling prompts to me first because i think you know again people will say i don't know where to start with journaling you can start really simple there's three prompts for the morning and three in the evening if, if it's not too much for people so take actually here's here's the routine and this this is super simple um 
there's a breath you'll have heard of, I'm sure, and, and probably used quite a bit, the, the box breath. So yeah. the box breath is the idea of drawing a box with the breath. So if the listener can imagine um, closing their eyes, or maybe do it as, as I take you through it, closing the eyes and inhaling only through the nose. So you're going to inhale and exhale only through your nose. So nasal breathing relaxes the nervous system. And you're going to breathe in for four seconds. So you imagine in your mind's eye, the first part of a box being drawn. So you, you breathe in for four seconds, then you hold for four seconds. That's the second part of the box. You exhale for four. That's the third part of the box. And then the fourth part of the box is a four second hold. So inhale four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. So I'd encourage people to do that for five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening before answering a couple of journaling questions. So that settles the nervous system, calms the body, calms the mind. Then the questions are, so again, you do your five minutes of box breathing first thing, and then take five minutes to answer three questions. The three questions are, uh, what am I most excited for today? That's the first question. And that's about finding little things to be excited about rather than saying, I'll be happy when and deferring your happiness mm. to six months down the line or your next holiday. So today I'm excited for podcast that I'm recording. Today I'm excited for uh, catch up with a friend this evening for dinner. Small things. Get excited about the small things and the big things will be even bigger. Um, so today I'm excited for, the second question I ask is what three things am I grateful for and why? Because most people will just say what they're grateful for and they write down, I'm grateful for my family, I'm grateful for books, I'm grateful for food. But when you ask why, you've got to delve a little bit deeper. So you might say, I'm grateful for my family because, and then you've got to think about what is it about my family that make me feel grateful. I'm grateful for books because. So it just goes a little layer deeper. So that, then the third question is, what are my top three priorities today? So without prioritizing what's important to you in the day, uh, your day will tend to get reactive to the outside world. So again, you, you lose your center. You haven't decided what you want to do. You're letting the world decide. So what three things need to happen by the end of the day for me to feel like it was a successful day? I need to go for a 30-minute walk on the beach. I need to call my father and catch up with him. And I need to complete a work project. So that's the morning. Three questions and four minutes of bo uh, five minutes of box breathing. And then in the evening, I rounded out again. Five minutes of box breathing and three questions. The three questions are, uh, what were my three mini wins today? And that's about recognizing that our confidence comes from recognizing our progress. Mm. So if your child comes home from school and tells you everything they did in school and your response is to say, well, what are you going to do tomorrow? The child would feel like, Jesus, nothing's ever good enough. But we do that same thing to ourselves. It's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? So take a breath and ask yourself, what were three mini wins today? And there's always wins. Um, second question in the evening is, what did I learn today? So, you know, a big part of uh, feeling fulfilled is to recognize that you're growing and you're learning. So what did I learn? And it could even be a day where everything went pear-shaped and um, you just feel like the day got away from you. What did you learn? You learned don't take on as much tomorrow. So you can learn every day. And, and the final question I ask is who did I help today? Um, and that's about recognizing that we are not, <laughs> our lives are not about us. There's a lot more going on than our experience. And um, generally when we get depressed or we get overwhelmed or stressed or anxious or stuck in our own stuff, it's because we're stuck in our own stuff. So going beyond ourselves and helping someone else gets us out of that. So I think that would be the non-negotiables for people. Five minutes in the morning, a box breath, ask those three questions. Five minutes in the evening, box breath and ask those three questions. And I can actually send you on a little workbook if, if, if you want to put it on the website or something that people could download. I don't know if that's a pain, but yeah, no, um, it has those questions. Yeah, cool. that's awesome. Yeah, like, again, like, I uh, absolutely love the simplicity in it. Um, but, like, it's just, like, with the questions, it just it opens you up to get kind of 
just start getting the cogs turning and training your mind to start looking at looking for them wins throughout your day so like you're not just waiting for like pen to paper the evening like you start actually catching them and acknowledging throughout yeah. the day as well yeah and 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 there's a couple of things you know when you write things down a couple of things happen one when you write down your what you're grateful for you almost relive the experience in your life so if i say i'm grateful for this conversation i write that down tomorrow then i'm getting to relive that conversation uh, if I write down tonight that one of my wins was learning a new song on guitar, I get to relive that. So you're almost, you know, doing it again. Um, and maybe just one final piece on that is, is there's, a, there's a phrase that says something like statements close the mind and questions open the mind. Mm. So statements close the mind, questions open the mind. So the difference between Irish people can't do that, that's a statement. The, the question becomes, how could Irish people do that? And that mm. becomes a question. And there's a, there's a very different energy to the two. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Um, dude, I absolutely love the work that you're doing and I really appreciate you taking the time out to be able to share some of your magic with us here today as well. Um, and yeah, keep, keep sharing, just keep sharing. That's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. And likewise, keep yeah. it going.